0: This is episode 92 of the CB Northwest and Camp Tadmore events podcast. This episode goes back to women's camp 2010, the transforming freedom of forgiveness with Don Smith Jordan. This is session one from Friday night. Absolutely loved it. And I have never been to Oregon. I have been to California, but I have never been to Oregon. And, you know, I just got to be honest, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. I mean, it's sunny outside. It's 11 o'clock at home. I'm crashed out by now. So this is so weird. (laughs) And we flew over the mountains yesterday with snow. That is bizarro. Because I left, anybody ever been to South Carolina? Woo! I left 104 degree weather. I was in my room this afternoon just resting. I turned on the heater. (laughs) I love it. It is absolutely beautiful here. Oh, my goodness. And I'm just, I'm so grateful to have been asked to come. I am just excited about our time together and about what God's going to do. And I absolutely adore Mary. She is the cutest thing ever up here saying her hearts were beating out of her chest. She has so much heart, she has more than one. (laughs) I looked at the lady beside me, I said, she said (laughs) hearts. But ladies, I just, I'm so grateful to be with you. I'm just excited to get to worship more with you with this wonderful group of worship leaders that we have. And I was standing out here before we started, and a lady came over and she said, I saw you on this show. And uh, I said, oh boy, I wonder what that would be. And um, she had seen this program that I was on a couple of years ago that still airs. But I happened to have been Miss South Carolina just a few years ago. Just a few years ago. It was 1986. <laughs> <laughs> what? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I was second her up to Miss America. Isn't that just crazy? So anyway, well, so that happened. And then in 2006, 20 years later, TLC went looking for three 40-something-year-old moms who would be willing to come back and recompete all over again. Can you even imagine I mean, I went from wearing a swimsuit in heels and standing like this to wearing a tankini with a skirt. And so <laughs> the first thing out of my mouth was, is there swimsuit? And they said no, and I said, I'm in. <laughs> So here we are, three of us. We have no idea who we're competing against, and we see each other and we're like, oh yeah, I remember you, and I remember you. And we knew we would be doing casual wear, an evening gown, and an on-stage question. And Stacy London from What Not to Wear, do y'all know her? We know her. But more importantly, my son says she knows us. And so we're on the show with Stacy London and the, the camera is rolling, and Stacy says, ladies. We have a surprise for you. I'm thinking, if it is swimsuit, I am so mad. (laughs) And she says, we have given you 48 hours until final competition to come up with one minute of your original talent from 1986. Have any of y'all watched the program? Have you seen Miss Padgett Rewind? Let me see your hand. Not a lot of you. Well, guess what? It keeps airing and it keeps airing and it won't go away. So you might can tune in and see the show. And so anyway, I looked at the other ladies, and I remembered that the one lady had played the flute. And y'all, y'all don't say y'all here, do you? You guys. (laughs) She had not picked up her flute in 10 years. She was so not happy. But the other one, now we would say in South Carolina, bless her heart. Bless Mary's hearts. She had been a tap dancer. And not only had she been a tap dancer, but she had worn green spandex, and we had to wear the costumes. I'm going to tell you what, she was so not happy. And I looked at her, and I just said, yes. I'm so glad I was a singer. <laughs> so the thing that is quite frightening at this point is that, man, you had the pedal way over there. Where'd she go? <laughs> Hang on. She was rocking out on this keyboard. Um, the, the funny thing is now I'm getting to the place where there are people that were not alive in this building in 1986. And so just in case you happen to be one of those babies, you were alive in 2006, yes? So either or, you may have tuned into Miss America in 1986, or you may tune in to TLC and hear something that sounds like this. Je peux vais... you wish you didn't <laughs> Hey, I think this is I think is yeah, this is okay. I was looking at going rock piano with an operatic aria. That will be very interesting. Well, you know what? Y'all can laugh all you want. I am the reigning Miss Pageant Rewind. <laughs> there was a lady in South Georgia, and I was at her church. And it's been some years ago now. She said, "Well, honey, after that talent, we know why you were not Miss America." (laughs) (laughs) And I hope she tuned in and saw me on Pageant Rewind. I am just so excited. Oh, this is going to be so much fun, and I, um, I want to just tell you a little bit about my family before I get into the topic tonight that we'll be talking about, but I, um, I want to tell you that I was a pastor's wife, just a brief history here, and I do delight that I'm here. I have no car. I can't get away. And I love meeting people, and so I really would love to get to hear from you and talk to you and greet as many of you as I can. So just grab me and say hey and tell me a little about your family because I'm going to tell you a little bit about mine. I love pictures. I have pictures. We'll share. How's that? In fact, I happen to have just brought just a small uh, snapshot of my kids. There they are. <laughs> just tiny wallet-sized picture. And um, my son Ross just turned um, 14 Monday. And Hannah turned 17 this Monday. And I, I love being a mom. I delight in being their mom. And God has so blessed me with two kids that have trusted the Lord with all of their hearts and are serving God through our home church ministry. Um, Hannah is the worship leader for student ministries at First Baptist of Columbia, South Carolina. And Ross Mann is a rocker. He I have not seen his eyebrows in years, but I know they're there. But um, I, I just want to tell you that I, I went from being a pastor's wife uh, 13 years ago to being a single mom, not of my own choosing. My husband left, and he married somebody else, and they're married today. And ladies, I'm not going to talk about the details of that. I know there are some of you here who are single moms as well, but I simply want you to know my mom's life scripture was 2 Corinthians 12:9, And Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect and weakness, And I could sit here and tell you story after story of the faithfulness of God in a situation I never ever imagined that I would find myself in and it's been a work of God in my life and a lot of the things that we will be talking about about forgiveness. And coming to terms with the past and leaving it behind have come because I have learned to take hold of the grace of God and to let the past go. This past October, my son, who was 17 months old at the time that his dad left the ministry and left our home, he came to me and he said, Mom, I don't remember what it's like to live with dad, and how will I ever know unless you let me? And so in October, I let Ross go with his dad and his stepmom. It was hard. And it broke my heart, but ladies, I knew that's what God was calling me to do for my son. And the deal was he could go, but he would spend Christmas and summer with us. And I tell you what, I love summer (laughs) because Ross is at home. And the most precious thing is for that kid to leave so rebellious and so frustrated and to come back and every day say, Mom, I love you. Mom, it's good to be here with you. And ladies, sometimes loving somebody means letting them go. Trusting that God sees the big plan, and all we can do is our small part of trusting Him with the outcome we cannot see. I was getting up that morning to go to the counselor that we were meeting with, his dad, and his stepmom, and me and Ross. And Ross and I got in the car, and you know how it is when you just can't even speak. You're so upset, it's all you can do to is breathe. And I just was breathing in and out, my son in the seat, knowing I was going to let everybody know I had decided to let him go, try it there and he's only 10 minutes away but still he's not in my house and so <laughs> and so i looked out the window and that morning i had gotten up i'd gotten on facebook and some somebody on there that's a friend of mine had this status it said this just because it's stormy right now doesn't mean it's going to rain forever we got in the car and i looked out the window there was a perfect rainbow over my neighborhood at seven thirty in the morning and it was as if God was reminding me Don my promises are still true trust me in the midst of this storm and ladies that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight trusting the Lord when we can't begin to understand I actually had Ross tell me Wednesday when we had a date afternoon we played ping pong and I listened to him play his guitar and then we went bowling that night and he I said buddy you know I've got to leave for Oregon tomorrow and you need to pack up because you're going to go to dad's and he goes I don't know if I really want to go to dad's and I have to be honest and go yes (laughs) because I want him to be where he needs to be but if that means that this season is done and he's going to come home whatever God wants y'all we got to be willing to say Lord not my will but your will be done. And so I wrote this song when Hannah was a baby. Ross came along three years later, and I said, Honey, can I rewrite your song just a little bit and include your baby brother? And she said, How much of my song, Mommy? And I said, What if I just rewrite the first verse only, but the rest is his? And she said with her very serious three-year-old face, Okay, as long as every time you sing it, they make sure they know it was my song first and I'm sharing. So everybody got that? (laughs) but I tell you what God has allowed me to sing in this in this ministry this is like my full-time job I teach piano on the side and I record for a Christian lullaby company personalized lullabies for children but this is it and God has been faithful to provide for my family for I've been doing this since 1986 and as much as I love this I delight singing for God and singing for his people But, y'all, my number one calling to be a godly woman is to those two kids in my home. And I guarantee you there is never a standing ovation. There's never one at your house. But you know what, ladies? That's where the rubber meets the road. And if my kids don't see their mama living out at home what they see me singing about on this stage, then I've missed out. And so this is my heart's prayer. It's called A Love That Leads to You. Well, we are going to be having a weekend of focusing on the transforming freedom of forgiveness and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the titles for the three times that I'll be sharing and I'm excited I'm going to come in the morning and hear somebody else I just love coming here because I hear other people lead worship and I uh, get to hear some other speakers I'm looking forward to the sessions tomorrow afternoon I will not be on the hike at (laughs) 7 although I'll probably be awake because I was wide awake at 4 a.m. here which is just awesome (laughs) But I'm looking forward to our times together, and tonight um, I just felt like maybe a little background would be in order before we get into talking about forgiveness and then being set free from the past and living free in Christ. But tonight the message is going to be entitled, Keep Believing, dot, 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 if you want to write it down, you can, Keep Believing, Trusting in the Lord When You Don't Understand. And then we'll come back in the morning. Oh, and I am coming to karaoke, by the way. Cannot wait. Can't wait. Can't wait to see you guys and laugh at you with you. (laughs) I love karaoke. It's so fun. And so then in the morning, I mean, tomorrow night, we'll come back and um, we will ask the question, how far does forgiveness go? How far must forgiveness go? And that is a tough question to answer And then Sunday morning we'll come back and we will have a message entitled, now in South Carolina this is the way you would hear us say it, it's time to get out of the mar and get into the choir. And so we are going to talk about, once we've learned to trust in the Lord, what does that really look like? Truly surrendering our hearts and our lives, trusting in him with all of our hearts, and then coming to the place of saying, God, I'm willing to let go and forgive. And then finally, when he has set us free, we can quit singing our somebody-done-somebody-wrong songs. And we can stand firm on the rock that God puts us and sing a song about his faithfulness to us in the midst of the storms of life that are going to come. And so tonight, the key (coughs) scripture that we're going to be looking at is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which has been my life scripture for many, many years now. I'm 46 years old. This became my life scripture a long time ago now, coming out of a very difficult tragedy in my own family. Now, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, if you want to turn there, you feel free to do so. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. I had a week about a month ago where it seemed like everywhere I turned, that scripture was coming out. I don't know if I just was going through a time of not trusting the Lord. I don't know what was going on, but everywhere I turned, I got up one morning and I flipped over my scripture calendar, which is by the sink, at the kitchen sink where I spend a lot of time. How about you? And there it was, that morning I flipped it over. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I sat down in the chair where I have my quiet time. It was my grandmother's chair and when she passed away I got it and that's where I sit to have my quiet time with the Lord. And I I used to write in prayer journals. Do any of you do that? I don't do it very much anymore. I don't have time to do it, and I love doing it. And I sat down, having not opened that journal in months to write anything down. Y'all, you guys, I opened the journal, and on the page for that day, what was at the top of the page? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Well, I'm hardly ever at my home church during the spring and the fall. I'm almost on the road somewhere most Sundays during those busy seasons of ministry. And I was home this one Sunday, and it was senior day, graduation recognition that day. And I sat down, and I even brought the little thing with the kids' pictures on it. And I want you to know, I sit down, I open up the bulletin, I look. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'm like, I I get it. That's my life scripture, Lord. I trust you. What are you trying to show me? And I don't know why. But he continually reminded me that day and that week, don't just trust me. You can trust me. You know, we all go through times where we just kind of scratch our head and we don't understand. Listen to the message translation that I read that morning. It says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. I loved that. Trust God from the bottom of your heart, and don't try to figure everything out on your own, women. Isn't that what we try to do? A girlfriend sent me a card, and I, I love it. I saved it, and I have kept it all these years, and it was years ago, and it said this. Uh, remember, uh, when the going gets tough, you can always come over and hide in the closet with me. And you know what? I see these retreats as kind of where we are hiding out. <laughs> we're hiding out from the rest of the world. I was I was riding with my new friends, Kim and Dee Dee, who are right here. Y'all wave. They drove me here from Portland today, and I went to their house. I went to Kim's house, and bless her heart, her crock pot was sitting there with spaghetti from the night before. So I washed her crock pot because I'm a pro at washing crock pots. And I, but we were just talking about how no kids, no husbands, Woohoo! freedom. Yeah. (laughs) And how I said, do you think these dishes will be washed when you come home? And I want to know. I want to hear from you whether they got done or not. I doubt it. (laughs) But you never know. In my house, it would not be done. But, you know, we are women that just try to figure everything out and we try to understand. And and if you're like me, there have been times in my life where I've even tried to give God suggestions on how he should be God. Because I have said, you know, Lord, this would be really cool if you did this. And I can remember when I was Miss South Carolina saying, you know, God, if you would just let me be Miss America, you realize what kind of platform I would have for you. Uh, He is the creator of the universe. He doesn't need some crown on my head. (laughs) And my sweet daughter, Hannah, who said she would never do pageants, I just will tell you, never would she ever do pageants. Last month, Hannah and I went to the Miss South Carolina Teen Pageant because Hannah was Miss Lexington Teen. And I said, you, with the crown on your head, are you the one that said never? And she said, Mom. And we came home, and she did not place, and she was brokenhearted, but God began to give her songs out of that. And she wrote a song about how she is not going to conform to the pattern of this world. Her life scripture is Romans 12. Romans 12. Let us not conform to the pattern of this world, but let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may know what God's good and perfect will is. Sometimes God is going to say no to the things that we beg him for. And I have been there. I was there in 1985. I will never forget the day that I got the call. I was 21 years old. I was a college student. I was a singer-dancer at a theme park in Charlotte, North Carolina, for my summer jobs between college. And my family was at home in Lexington, South Carolina. And my sister, Sherry, was 17. It was two days before her high school graduation. And then my younger brother, Robert, was 15. And I got the call that I never imagined getting, and I got this message from my roommate as she handed the phone to me. She said, Dawn, it's your family, and Sherry has been abducted. You know, when you hear a word that you're never expecting to hear, I didn't even know what abducted meant right then. It was like I just she was speaking a foreign language, and I said, what does that mean? She said, she's been abducted. I said, Kim, what is, I don't understand what you're saying. Just say what? What? I couldn't even understand what that was. And so a police officer met me at my apartment in Charlotte. He drove me back home to my family. And what I learned was that my sister had been at high school graduation practice. She was singing the national anthem at the ceremonies. She had been at a pool party celebrating her upcoming graduation. And she was going on a cruise with her class to the Bahamas and she was coming to the college to study voice where I was a music major and she was going to study voice as well and you know how we just make all our plans you know we just go about making the plans that we think we are going to have in life and all of a sudden everything came to a screeching halt and it was like a nightmare was in progress my family story was made into a television feature film and you may have seen the movie Um, as I begin to share a lot of times I see people looking at each other going oh yeah I saw that but it aired on CBS back in 1991 for the first time and it was called Nightmare in Columbia County And then it has continued to air internationally over all these years. Um, And currently it's on Lifetime. So if you uh, have Lifetime television, then you may have seen it. I always have more men tell me they have seen the movie than women. And girls, Lifetime is what? Television for? So you know what your man is doing at home right now? (laughs) And these two fellows are missing out. (laughs) But it was it was like a nightmare that, that was happening in our family. Sherry pulled her car into the driveway, as she did every day. And she got out of the car. My parents uh, lived out in the country in the middle of a field of 20 acres. No neighbors really around down a, down a very uh, uh, country road. And as Sherry got out of the car to get the mail, a man had seen her in town. He had a criminal record. He liked beautiful blonde girls. He claimed that he pulled up, pulled a gun on her, and told her to get in the car. And she did. You know, when something like that happens to your family, it changes your life forever. And just this week, as Ross and I were on our way to the mall, he said, You know, mom, if somebody came over here, and they pulled a gun at me right now on this window. This is what I would do, and this is what I would do. Ladies, always have a plan and tell your children what the plan is. We had a plan, but Sherry panicked, and she got in the car. My dad always said, run in a zigzag. It's harder to hit a moving target, and you're better off to be shot than get in that car. But fear gripped her heart, and she got in the car. And little did we know that we would never see her again on this earth. It was five days. And I don't talk about the details very much. They are so almost like another lifetime ago, ladies. You know how you have experiences like that? But tonight I want to just tell you just a little bit because I have a little bit of time that I can do that. But it was as if time stood still. Our family story became the largest manhunt South Carolina has ever seen, drawing national attention. Our story has been on the FBI profiler, you name it, on different, different programs and For five days, just imagine, how many of y'all are moms? How many of you have had a mama? (laughs) Now nobody's left out. (laughs) Um, We didn't know where Sherry was. When I think about that, I panic. When I can't get my kids on the phone right then, I panic. First I get mad and go, by golly, if I'm paying for that cell phone, you better answer. And then the second thing is, what if something's wrong? And then I panic. And nothing's ever wrong. They're just not answering their phone. For five days, we did not know where Sherry was. Just imagine that. No idea. There was nobody that saw her taken. It was as if she vanished into thin air, just disappeared. And all of a sudden, the phone rang in the middle of the night. And this man asked to speak to my mother. We didn't know where she was. The authorities were saying that maybe she'd run away. And we were like, why would she run away? She's going on a cruise. She's excited. She wouldn't have run away. And so this man called, and he began to tell my mother things about my sister that she had on and that he took her. He called her home eight different times during a month-long investigation where my family and I were held prisoners in our home. Could not leave our house that whole month. He continued to call her home, and as a 21-year-old, the FBI agent came to me. Her name was Lydia, and she took me in my room, and she said, "Donna, I need to ask you, would you be willing to answer the phone? It's too upsetting for your mom, and he won't speak to a man. He wants to speak to a woman. Would you talk on the phone to this man? If you talk to him and keep him on the phone, maybe the call can be traced, and maybe we can get Sherry back. And I didn't think about it. I said, yes, I'll do it. So I began to talk on the phone to a man who very cruelly taunted my family and told me horrible things that he claimed he did to my sister. On the fifth day, he called and he said a letter would be coming in the mail. We didn't know whether to believe him or not. But sure enough, this letter came. Several years ago, I went to my parents and my brother. And I said, y'all, I just would love to be able to share Sherry's letter when I'm asked to share our story, and they gave me their blessing. She was 17, in a room with a man that she did not know, that said, I'm going to kill you. Here's a pen and a paper, and you can write a letter of farewell to your family, and I'll mail it to them. This is what Sherry wrote in those circumstances. She called it her last will and testament. She said, I love you, Mommy, Daddy, Robert, Dawn, and Richard, and everyone else and all other friends and relatives. I'll be with my father now, so please, please don't worry. Just remember my witty personality and great special times we all shared together. Please don't even let this ruin your lives. Just keep living one day at a time for Jesus. Some good will come out of this. My thoughts will always be with and in you. In parentheses, casket closed. I love you all so much. Richard, sweetie, that was her boyfriend. I really did and always will love you and treasure our special moments. I ask one thing, though. Accept Jesus as your personal Savior. My family has been the greatest influence of my life. Sorry about the cruise money. Somebody please go in my place. I'm sorry if I ever disappointed you in any way. I only wanted to make you proud of me because I've always been proud of my family. Mom, Dad, Robert, and Dawn, there's so much I want to say that I should have said before now. I love you. I know y'all love me and will miss me very much. But if y'all stick together like we always did, y'all can do it. Please do not become hard or upset. Everything works out for the good. For those that love the Lord. All my love always. I love y'all with all of my heart. P.S. Nana, I love you so much. I kind of always felt like your favorite. You were mine. I love you a lot. Love Sherry. That is what it means to trust the Lord with all of your heart when you cannot begin to understand why you are where you are. And maybe that is the way you feel right now. And you came here to this retreat and you just feel like you don't know if you can leave this place and do one more day of your life. I want to tell you that you can. That not because I say so, but because God's word says to you tonight, his grace will be sufficient. His grace was sufficient for Sherry in that room. There's there's a whole sermon in this letter. When she said, don't let this ruin your lives, You know what, ladies? The circumstances of life are going to come, and we will have some that we would never choose. Have you had some? I've had a bucket load. (laughs) And you know what? I might not have chosen those circumstances, but I am here to tell you that as believers, we always have a choice with how we respond. We always have a choice with how we respond. Maybe not choosing the circumstances, but we can choose faith or we can fall apart. We can choose fear or we can take hold of God's hand and live free in the grace that He has provided for each one of us. The circumstances are going to come, and you are going to have to make a choice with how you respond. This past uh, January, our church, I served with the student ministries at my home church, and we did this incredible Bible, the Bible in 90 days. I'm not done. <laughs> I read the Bible through in a year on the year-and-a-half plan a couple years ago. And Hannah and I have decided we're on the 180-day plan. That's okay. The point is we're in the Word of God. And April came and April went. And we're looking at each other and I am in Ezekiel. (laughs) And Hannah's in Lamentations and we are making it forward. But we read, it's interesting, stay in the Word of God, ladies. That is how you will be able to trust the Lord because you know what his word says to you. When the circumstances of life scream confusion and horror and tragedy, God's word tells you there is something more. And I read this time around, didn't really ever notice this verse before, in a book that I haven't spent a lot of time in, and it's 2 Kings. And I want you to write this down because I want you to go read about Hezekiah later. Amazing king, amazing testimony of what God did in his life. Just an incredible chapter. But this is what I read, and it jumped out at my heart, and I said, I want to be like him. This is what it says. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. If there could be anything that I choose to be written on my tombstone, whatever, when I die one day, I would love for it to say, do trusted in the Lord. She held fast to the Lord and never ceased to follow hard after him. As I was reading a book on the plane last night while a child screamed the entire four-and-a-half-hour flight, I was reading Joyce Meyer's book, The Love Revolution, and thinking I'd like to go give that child some tough love. I read a little section about what it means to seek. It means you are seriously pursuing something. Determined to pursue that. When I sang the song Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Hebrews 12:2 says, "Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and he is the perfecter of our faith." Fixing our eyes on Jesus, it says that he held fast to the Lord and he did not cease to follow him. Ladies, to follow after the Lord with all of our hearts is the only way that I know that we are going to be able to trust him. I want to be like Hezekiah. I want you to know I trust the Lord. I want my life to say it loud and clear, much more than me just talking to you right now. I remember when my husband left, and I'll just tell you, I was in the bathroom floor. I didn't think I'd ever get up again. Have you ever been there? In the bathroom floor, because he came into the room and he told me, I'm leaving. And I said, what do you mean? Where are you going? I'm leaving. And I sat down on the floor and I did not get up for a very long time as I cried my heart out to God. And on that bathroom floor, I cried, God, I don't know what to do. And I've got to ask you to show me. But I trust you. I will trust you. When I can't see how this is going to turn out. I want to look at four words out of this scripture together with you, and you can take a couple of notes if you would like to. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? We're going to look at just the four key words in that scripture. The trust in the Lord, I want to ask you, first of all, I have a feeling I know the answer to this, but do you know that you have trusted in the Lord? Sherry knew when it was between life and death what was most important, and that precious boyfriend of hers, Richard, She didn't know if he was for sure a Christian. And she said of all the things that she could have said in those final moments, she knew he needed to know the Lord. And she said, Richard, please accept Jesus as your personal Savior. And I'll let you know that that young man trusted in the Lord. And he's married and he has two daughters. And praise God, he saved that young man. And I remember when my mom said, what a horrible loss. To lose Sherry. She said, but it's nothing compared to what God was willing to give up for me. And she said, and so if my daughter and her death means that one person comes to know the Lord and is saved for all eternity from hell, then I can say it's worth it. Ladies, that young man trusted the Lord with all of his heart. That means that you say, God, I give you my life. Here is my life, and I trust you with it. I want to live it to your glory. To trust in the Lord means you have absolute unquestioning confidence in the one that you're trusting. I played a game with Hannah when she was little. I homeschooled the kids for seven years and uh, Kim just graduated one. I mean, wow. And she still got another one. I sent mine to public school, real school, a couple years ago and they adjusted very well but when we were homeschooling in the beginning we had this little book that a pastor's wife gave me and it was a thousand and one ways to introduce your child to God and while Ross took his nap I did little exercises with Hannah and that was our mommy-daughter time in the afternoon and and so one afternoon I said Hannah I want to play a game and it's called the trust game and I said You're going to walk out in front of me, and I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, you're going to fall back because Mommy is going to catch you. And obviously, this is a very simple lesson. I wanted her to learn that she could trust Mom so that ultimately she would know that she could trust her Heavenly Father. And so I said, you ready? One, two, three. And she went. And I said, Hannah, I'm here. You can trust me, right? You know." Yes, ma'am. I said, okay, you ready? One, two, three. And she went. And so you know what I did? I got down on my hands and knees, and I took her sweet little face in my hands, and I looked her in the eyes, and I said, Hannah, do you trust Mommy? And she said, yes, ma'am. I said, you know I'm not going to let you fall flat on your back, on the floor, in front of me. I will always be here for you as best I can be, and you can trust me. I said, so I want you to just fall back and know I'm going to catch you. And so I said, one, two, three, and back she came. And I want you to know she loved that game. And I will never forget I was at the kitchen sink doing the dishes, and Hannah came skipping into the kitchen. Mommy, one, two, three. And I literally had to pull my hands out of the sink, sudsy and everything, and catch my child because she trusted her mom. <laughs> But, ladies, that's what it means to trust the Lord, that you know he loves you. He has saved you. He is not going to let you fall flat because his word says he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. I think about an amazing story if you want to write this down and look at it later. Oh, my goodness, the story of a woman named Yacobed. How would you like it if your mama named you that? Is anybody in here Jacobed? <laughs> <laughs> did you raise your hand no <laughs> that's a beautiful name <laughs> so biblical <laughs> I tell you what singing those lullabies some people I just want to go why why did you name your child this crazy name I now have to sing but anyway Jochebed was Moses's mother And I just was looking at that yesterday on the plane. I had so much time on the plane to get here. It is an all-day affair to get here from South Carolina. And so I read again the story in Exodus 2 about how the Pharaoh was having all of the children, of God's children, the Israelite children, put to death when they were born. If it was a girl, they could live. If it was a boy, they were killed. And so Moses' mother, you know what she did? Man, I only had to let my child go 10 minutes down the road to stay with his dad and stepmother. This mother put this baby in a basket. And do you remember what she did? She put him in the Nile River. What is in a river? Crocodiles, a current that you have no control over. Where is it going to go? Kind of like life. And she put that child in that river, and she trusted God to protect him. And then the amazing story is here comes this Egyptian princess, and she goes to bathe, and she sees him, and she pulls him out of the water. And there happens to be standing by Miriam, Moses' sister. And she looks at the girl, and the girl says, Would you like me to go get one of the um, the mothers to care for this child? And she says, Yes. Who gets to come care for Moses? His mom! I love that story because she simply put him in the river, and she trusted God. And later, we read about how God had a purpose for that child. He protected that child. He would be the one that would God would use to set the Israelites free. And God gave that mom the faith to trust him. That's what it means to trust the Lord with all of your heart. And then the next word is this, to lean, to lean Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Older I get, I thought I would know so much more by now than I do. Isn't that weird how that happens? I thought I would be like older, feeling, and wiser and smarter, and I'm just still me. (laughs) But you know what? I'm learning to do a hymn that I grew up singing in the Baptist church. I'm learning to lean on the everlasting arms, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. I don't lean on my own understanding because, ladies, I've lived enough life to know I'm just not ever going to have it, but I can trust in the Lord, and my mom's life scripture proves true every time. His grace will be sufficient when I'm weak He will make me strong if I will lean on him. And then the next part, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge? It actually means in the Greek to know or to be fully acquainted with. You know, my kids know me. I know my kids. If Hannah comes in the door, I can look at her face and know what kind of day she had at school. Ross can walk in the door, being the 14-year-old teenager that he is. Hannah can say, what's wrong, Mom? And Ross will go, what's your problem? <laughs> but they know me because we spend time together. Day in and day out, we do life together. And I want to ask you a very important question. How can you trust somebody that you don't know? How can you trust somebody with all of your heart that you don't have an intimate relationship with ladies this is the key to victorious living in Christ to spend time in the word and to pray every day acknowledging that he is who he says he is I want you to listen to what Isaiah 55 says 55 8 and 9 for my thoughts are not your thoughts Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen to this. I read this this afternoon. It says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but I will accomplish what I desire, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's ways are higher than our ways. We can't begin to see what he's doing, and it is our job to acknowledge. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And the very last word is to direct. We trust him with all of our hearts. We lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge him for who he is. And you know what I want to tell you? The more that you know the Lord, the longer that you walk with him. Y'all have come to the place in my life where I don't even question, can I trust you in this anymore, God? I remember a time when Sherry was missing, and I prayed so hard that God would let her live. And I remember saying as a young 21-year-old, you didn't answer my prayer. I don't know if I can trust you anymore. He so has changed my heart since then, these 20-something years later, because there's no doubt in my mind. I can trust him because the more storms he has brought me through and proven himself faithful, it is easy to trust the Lord with all my heart now. Ladies, that is where we need to be to get to the place of knowing he's God. I can trust him. The last word is to direct. He will lead us and guide us. My sister and I used to sing together, and we sang this song, I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. We were known as the Smith sisters. I know you all heard of us. And we sang one time, I'll just tell you, we were very proud. We thought we'd hit the big time. We sang in a furniture store's one year anniversary. (laughs) 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 But you know what I know? I know because God holds my future in his hands, I will sing with my sister again. She went to be with the Lord at 17. I know this to be true because I know this is true. And that Sherry trusted the Lord with all of her heart. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven through thirteen is the scripture that I continue to speak to my Hannah right now. And it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Therefore, if you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found. But ladies, our job is to seek him with all of our hearts. Corey Ten Boom was an amazing woman. I love her testimony. Do you all know who she is? Her story was made into a movie, The Hiding Place, out of her book of being a, a Nazi prison camp survivor. Her sister died there. Later, she came to the place of forgiving the guard for all that he had done to her precious sister and her. But this is a devotion out of a little book that I've had for years. And it's called Corey's Rendition, and it says, My wife and I had the happy privilege to travel to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to hear the late Corey Ten Boom speak in person. We were at that time pastoring at Evangel Temple in Madison. It was an early spring day, and as we arrived, the parking lot was nearly full. We had to sit about two-thirds of the way back in the auditorium. We listened as she told her flashlight story and the famous story about being unable to forgive one of the guards in her prison camp. We had to strain to catch every word as she was very soft-spoken. She didn't look out at her audience very often either. Then we began to notice as she was speaking, she was also working on a piece of embroidery. We were too far back to be able to really see what was actually happening on the stage. As she talked and worked her needle back and forth, she was describing the plan that God has for our lives. She talked about how her life had been lived in triumph and tragedy. She told about her prisoner of war camp experience and the painful loss of her wonderful sister. It was touching and moving to watch and hear this lady who had been through so much. Her life was a challenge to all of us as we carefully listened so as not to miss one statement. Near the end of her talk, she held up the piece of cloth on which she was working to display the back side. It was nothing but a jumble of colored threads. But she said that to us, life often appears in a jumble. We can't figure out, we can't seem to figure out what is happening or why God allows circumstances into our lives. Then she flipped the cloth over to show us a beautiful picture of a crown. This, Corey said, is what God sees and what he is working to complete in our lives. Then she concluded with the rendition of this poem. My life is but a weaving between God and me. I do not choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride. Forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly. Will God unroll the canvas to explain the reasons why? The dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. The quote for the day says, I believe the promises of God enough to venture an eternity on them. And the scripture that day is Romans eight twenty eight, the very scripture that my precious sister remembered enough at such a horrible time to write in her letter such truth that in 1985 we could never imagine But in 2010, I don't have enough time to tell you how God has worked for good and for his glory. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Corey Ten Boom said, Don't be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Do you know the Lord? Do you trust him with all of your heart? My mom was an amazing woman. I loved my mom, and I miss her. My son just broke my heart yesterday. My mom died six years ago after battling ovarian cancer, and Ross said, Mom, I forgot about Nanny. He said, I saw that picture on the table in your office of you, and I looked at that lady and said, Who is that? And I said, Honey, how can you forget Nanny? She was a wonderful, godly woman, but he was only seven, and he forgot her. I will never forget the impact my mom made on my life because she is the one that taught me to trust the Lord with all of my heart. She lost her child, but she looked at her two other kids, and she said, I have two children that still need a mother. I have to keep going on. After she got through the tragedy of Sherry, she had a brain aneurysm and a one-inch blood clot, had brain surgery. And my mom, oh, my goodness, ladies, you will love this. She came out of surgery. Her head was all bandaged up. My dad and I walked back there, and she said, do not let anybody see me until I get my lipstick on. <laughs> <laughs> that is my mother. <laughs> and she had to learn To walk, talk, swallow, because they told us before she went into surgery, she won't survive. She has a 3% chance of survival, and if she survives, she will be a vegetable. Well, God was not done with her. My mom survived and wrote a book about all that God had brought her through. And so then she got to the place where she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And for two years, she battled very strongly against that disease. The chemo was so strong that it gave her a massive heart attack and they could no longer treat the chemo. And so my mom would go to chemo in the morning. I would take her, and that night I would take her to speak at a church. And I would say, Mom, you don't have to go. You're so sick. It's okay. And she would say, No, honey, as long as I have breath, I'm going to use it to share what God's put on my heart to share with people. Ladies, that is keep believing <laughs> right there. Tomorrow night I will share with you how God brought me to the place of forgiving the man that killed Sherry. Because I know if I don't say anything, it will drive you crazy all night. And you'll go, all of y'all be coming up to me going, did they catch him? You didn't finish. What happened? And so I'll tell you all that tomorrow night. But, yes, he was caught. And my mother is the one who first forgave that man, and God used her testimony in my life to teach me that trusting in the Lord goes past trusting for your own circumstances. It is to the place that you trust him to be, his hands, his feet, his voice to somebody else that also needs to trust the Lord, even someone who has taken your child. That's what my mom did. And so I look forward tomorrow night to sharing. But I want to tell you what, we called my mom the Energizer Bunny. She just kept going and going and going until she was done. And then when she was done, she went home and she's healed and she's well with Sherry. And I will see her again, ladies, because heaven is real. And in the meantime, my favorite hymn says, Through many dangers, tolls, and snares have already come. His grace has brought us this far. And guess what? It's going to lead us home. I'm so grateful. But as I sat on the bed with my mom, and we talked for hours. I moved the kids out there, and I took care of mom and dad, and we homeschooled out there during that time while she had gone home to spend her last days at home. They gave her a week to live, and she lived seven because that's just what she did. But God gave us precious time, and we talked, and she said, You know, I'm going to miss you so much, but I know I'll see you again. I can't wait to see Sherry. And she said, I can't wait to see Jesus dawn. I'm going to see him. I'm going to see his face. And she has. And ladies, one day if we stay strong and we trust him through the hard, there's hard stuff in this place. Every person in this place has a story to tell and it's being written right now. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your hope. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. I sat on the bed with her one afternoon and I said, Mom, it looks like God is going to take you home before you're healed. Is there anything special you want for your service? She was so funny. She said, Oh, honey, you know I'd never ask you to sing for my funeral. (laughs) But if you decided that you would. On your own? (laughs) And she listed two songs, and one of them is the song that I want to close because it was my mom's testimony. And I pray that I continue to live out that legacy of faith before my kids. The words to this song say, keep believing in what you know is true. Keep believing you know the Lord will see you through. When troubles rise in your life and you don't know what to do, you'll be fine if you'll just keep believing. Sherry said in that letter, don't let this ruin your lives. Ladies, don't let the circumstances of your life ruin your life. They are a part of who you are becoming in Christ. And she said, just keep living one day at a time for Jesus. There've been a lot of one days at a time for Jesus right now. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to get up tomorrow and do another one, Lord willing. And I challenge you to do the same thing. God bless you. Thank you for letting me share tonight, and I just pray this song encourages your heart. If you came here discouraged, I want you to be encouraged because God's a God of hope for you, so you trust him.